0: Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Man, I am very big on invite cards. You know, I just think what it does, guys, I know it's hard sometimes to invite people or to encourage people to come. This can be one of your greatest tools. Uh, uh here, and run away. I mean, however you want to do it. You know, I know, I know it's sometimes hard inviting, but, you, you know, as a church, we hope that we are creating an environment, that we are pursuing things that you are excited about, right? You know, that, you, that you're excited to, to be a part of, you're excited to invite people to, but most of all, we want people to encounter the presence of God. In everything we do, yeah, there's some strategy to it. There's, there's some intentionalness to how we're going to approach it. But we know that if we can cause people to experience the presence of God, they'll be forever changed. Every single time. You know, you think about uh, each of our experiences maybe. Man, this is not middle. Right there. You can see a little bit more here and there. Uh, you know, but we think about how did we come to the knowledge of Christ? Well, first and foremost, what does Scripture say? It says, unless... God draws us, nobody can be saved. But it's being saturated, it's, it's coming into an encounter with His presence that forever ever change who we are. It will chip those rough edges off of our life. And sometimes, you know what it does also? It, it leads us to that place of conviction. Now I want to pause just for a minute that, there, that there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. We are never going to condemn you, but we pray for conviction over you. Because conviction will draw you to the heart of God. Conviction will make you run as fast as you can away from the church and away from God. But we have to understand that the nature of condemnation comes from the enemy. It does not come from God. So as we love people, as we encourage people, you know, don't be afraid to invite those people that need Jesus. You know, I think a lot of times, man, I can't invite that guy. That guy's too bad. You used to be that bad too. You just didn't realize it. Okay? So just, just be mindful of that as we invite. There are so many people that we encounter and that we, go, that we walk around every single day that need Jesus. So if you guys can help us do that and just be the hands and feet and the voice and just invite and just you know allow people to experience the presence of God. Amen? All right, so we are on week seven of our People series, and I am here to conclude it. This is the last week we're going to... I know I missed the last three weeks. Uh, for those of you who know... Becky and I, you know, we got, we got COVID, hooray, like, no, it was super, mi- it wasn't really miserable, it wasn't horrible, I just missed the family, I missed the church, I, I was sitting at home watching the live streams for the last three weeks, and it was a challenge for me, because we love church, we love the local church, but I'll tell you what, even from the stream, we could see that God was up to something great. You know, we would, we would sense the presence of the Lord even in our living room as we would watch from that stream. And, and I always know that if it's coming across anointed from the stream, man, if you are in the building, some good stuff happening. So we always encourage, hey, thank God for the streams when you can't be here, but make it a point to be in the house, to be at the church to be fellowshipping with each other. So this morning, we're going to continue to look at our People Series. So we, we know that the People Series is focusing on knowing who you are as a son and daughter of God. 1 Peter 2, 9-10 through 10 has been our core verse through this whole series, which says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that, and this is what we're going to look at today, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light, Verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So as we've walked through this series, week one, we talked about the focus point of that people matter. If people matter to God, guess what? They need to matter to us. That was week one. Week two, we, we realized that He chose us, that we were chosen by God, okay? Week three, that you were a priest and you were set apart with a purpose and a plan, Week four, we looked at who you were versus who you are now, and that scripture talks about that. This is You were a people who were once like this, but now you are like this, making that contrast. Week five, uh, Pastor Jim talked about settling, settling your salvation, making a point, drawing a line in the sand, knowing that, hey, from this moment forward, I am a child of God. I have an inheritance. I have a place in heaven, right? Settling that. Uh, Last week, they looked at living energetic hope. It was a powerful message. Um, And then this week... Our final week, we're going to look that we are a people of praise. We are a people of praise. So today, I want you to know that that's who you are. You are a people of praise. Uh, So a sacrifice of praise is a Levitical term that really is used for a thank offering. You know, whenever you appreciate something, what do you say? Hey, thanks. Somebody gets you an awesome gift. Hey, man, thank you so much. There's a heart of gratitude. There's a response. There is a thankfulness that happens. So when somebody gives us a gift, an earthly gift, and we're, we have hearts of gratitude and thankfulness, how much more should we be, have hearts of gratitude and thankfulness to a heavenly Father who gave the greatest gift of His Son? That's a pretty big deal. You think about what's the greatest gift you could ever give. Salvation is a pretty good gift. It's one of the most important gifts we will ever receive as a child of God. Because without it, we can't inherit any of the other gifts. So a sacrifice of praise, it's a thank offering. So when we look at Psalms 107, 22, we see it all through Scripture. It says, you know, let, let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works. And, and here, we want to look for the responses of what does praise look like, right? What should praise look like? How should, how should we respond with attitudes of praise? But it says, and tell of his works with songs of joy. That's Psalms one hundred seven twenty two, And then verse 17, it says uh, in, in Psalms 116, verse 17, it says, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. So in, in a service or, you know, sometimes we, we will call on the name of the Lord. Hey, hear me, Lord, come near to me. You know, you, we will plead with the Lord to come and in, in, inhabit his praises, right? There's all these variables. So as we look through this, you know, we're looking, what does praise look like? What does it, what, how should it be practiced? Psalms 50, 23, it says, Those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me. And to the blameless, I will show my salvation. So we can see even from this passage that a thank offering honors God. It's something that pleases Him. It's something that satisfies Him. So sacrifice is a thank offering. It was a big deal to God. So we're going to look real quick at the offerings in the Old Testament because I always think it's super important to look at the Old Testament because it's going to portray how do we practice these things in the New Testament. So if we look at the Old Testament, there were five offerings that were offered. You know there was a burnt offering, a grain offering, a peace offering, a sin offering, and a guilt offering. So we're going to look at each of those, what those are. So a burnt offering was was called a an olah, and it's an offering of a sin. So this was general atonement for sin and an expression of devotion to God. Now some of you say, Pastor, no, we're going to be giving offerings, and it's kind of weird. You know, are, do we still do that? I mean, I didn't see anybody bring a some. Stalks of corn or grain, you know, it's different, right? But I hope this morning that you will see the contrast of a general expression to the Lord this morning. And how did we do that? Perhaps with our singing and our shouting and our clapping are standing that's one thing i always you know the, the simplest form uh, of, of an expression of worship that i try to teach my children is standing in worship now i know some of you parents as we as we strive to teach our parents or our kids how to be worshipers in the house it's challenging right hey clap hey smile act like you're happy you know lift your hand you know like you're trying to cultivate this response of a heart of worship and praise to the lord but you know where i start with i tell them you're going to stand Dad, why do I stand? Because anybody of utmost importance, if they were to walk in the room, guess what? We would all stand to our feet because of the position, because of the person. So when I come into the sanctuary and we begin to praise and we begin to honor God, the least that we can do is stand. That's the least that I can do, right? I can stand. But there's other ways, there's other expressions of praise that we can, that we can tap into that have great significance, so, standing honors God, shouting honors God, clapping honors God, all of these things honor God, but that burnt offering it was a, it was a sin an atonement for sin, an expression of devotion, so second grain offering, this was called a mincha it is a it 's a voluntary expression of devotion for God, so this is a free will offering, so this is something how would I look at that I mean i the only way that I was thinking like a free will offering I guess that would be like. Not my tithe, but maybe my offering. This is something that is extra. This is something above and beyond. This is something that is not just a requirement, but this is an additional expression of my love and devotion to God. You re- let, me, let me just touch on that just for a moment. You realize that when we give, it's not to get the church rich, but it's an opportunity to give back what the Lord has given us and really bring something that is a sacrifice if you have ever given a tithe, which the Bible talks about 10% being a tithe, if you've ever given a 10% and you got a pretty good job, how many of you will agree with me? It hurts just a little bit. Yeah? I mean, some of y'all are lying. It's, 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 significant. it's significant. It's a significant amount. I remember when I was work, working minimum wage, and it was really easy to write that tithe. To. I was like, I ain't making anything anyway. Here you go, God. But as I made more money, if when I kept that principle in place, that 10% was just enough that it was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. And I think that that's part of it. When we take it, you know, that we say, Lord, this is a sacrifice. I don't want to do what's easy. I don't want to do what's, what's, what's convenient. But David said, I don't want to give a sacrifice that doesn't cost me anything. But I want to give my sacrifice of praise. So, you know, that tithe, that offering, like these are all ways that we can give back to the Lord. So we have to see it as giving to the Lord, not necessarily just giving to a church or giving to me or giving to a person, but it's being obedient to the Word of God and offering sacrifices that please Him. Okay, so this is a free will offering when we talk about a grain, grain offering. So a peace offering is a, a shalem, which is a thanks offering. So uh, there's a, there's one that says a thanks offering that's in Leviticus seven twelve. There's a free will offering seven sixteen. Uh, in Leviticus, and then a wave offering. So it kind of intertwines all these, but this is when, this was kind of cool. It says, this: they practiced this peace offering. They would consecrate a meal between two or more parties before God and share a meal together in fellowship of peace and commit to each other's future prosperity. So this was a sacrifice that actually happened within the home over a meal and just consecrated it to the Lord, and then they partook, partook of it kind of cool, right? You know, like, man, I've never heard of one that's in the homes. I thought all of these had to be at church. But this one is very significant because it just goes between two people who are first and foremost committing to each other's future prosperity and to walk in fellowship of peace, all of these things. Pretty cool, huh? And then there's a sin offering, which is the Shatath, and it says, it's an atonement for unintentional sin, Leviticus 4, 2-3, through 3 and four twenty. this was a purification offering. So the primary purpose of this offering was not to atone for sin, but rather purify oneself for re-entering the presence of God. So how this would happen in today, if we had to do it this way, before you walk through these doors, you'd have to get it right. Every time that we would re-enter the presence of God, we would have to make atonement, we would have to do some type of offering, some type of sacrifice that would allow us to come before the presence of the Lord. Okay, And then the last one is, is, a, is a guilt offering. It's called a sham. So this does not refer to one's conscience, but rather something one owes on account of sin. It's just a given, knowing that we're sinners and that we're in need of restitution. Okay, So it is, it is the purpose of, of making uh, reparations or amends or restitution for one's sin. Now I'm going to conclude talking about all these with Hebrews 10.10 because this was the final restitution, the pardoning, and this is what happened. Hebrews 10.10, it says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. What are those last words on there? It says, once for all. So we have to realize that we can look at this Old Testament and we can see all of these different kind of offerings and and being intentional, where we don't always, I I think... There's times that we bring different offerings to the Lord. I don't think we always say, all right, well, here's the same offering, here's the same offering. Each offering that we bring, each song that we sing, all the different words that come out of our mouth focus on a different facet of who God is. But we have to understand now that in the New Testament that once for all this sacrifice has been paid, that we can just come boldly before His throne of grace with confidence. That we've been made righteous, we have been made holy. So the Old Testament talked about all these sacrifices of animals and all of these things, but what should our response to God be? What should praise look like today? So a sacrifice of praise is a thank offering today. Okay, We should not only offer God a sacrifice of praise occasionally, but we should be a people of praise. We should be people that are praising God often, all of the time, that the focus of our lives should be be to bring glory to God, not just on Sundays. But every moment of our life, when you go to the restaurant after this service and and maybe the hostess and then the the waiters don't have it all together and and you're a person that likes everything, you know, you're paying for that meal and you're going to tip them and you expect immaculate service and you don't get it. How will you respond? Will your actions reflect praise unto God or not? You know, this morning we're going to look at what it means to be a people of praise because we have to realize that's who we are, so we really should start acting like it. You know, when we talk about a worship service or, uh, you know, what comes to mind? You know, you know what's, what's one of your favorite worship songs? You know, I know there's some songs that we love. Maybe there's some songs like, yeah, I don't really love that song, but I'm singing it because everybody else is singing it. You know, but, you know, do you like the more upbeat songs or do you like the slower songs? So if we look in the worship world, we have to realize that our praise songs are the upbeat, faster, kind of more exciting songs. When we talk about a worship song, it's the slower, more intimate, quieter songs Um, You know, but many of us love the intimate songs that we sing, you know, with sincere hearts, but we have to realize to get to that place of intimacy in worship, we have to enter in the right way. I mean, if you're one of those people that can just show up and worship, man, more power to you, but usually I got to go through a process. You know, maybe I was running late to church, I just barely got here, you know, maybe me and my wife got on a fight on the way, and I don't come, even though I'm sitting on the front row, I don't come all the time 100% ready to enter the presence of God and bow down and be like, God, you're so great. I'm just still all cut up, caught up in myself. I haven't even went to the process of where I can even begin to focus on God because I'm focused on myself. I'm focused on my situations, I'm focused on maybe what somebody told me, what somebody said before the surface. Or maybe what somebody didn't tell me. Maybe nobody greeted me. Nobody talked to me this morning. Ah, and Yeah, I'm just going to just come into the Holy of Holies and just all of a sudden worship God. You know, sometimes it doesn't always work that way. We have to realize that we have to come before His presence in the correct manner. So we have to go through the gate and we have to realize that the gate to enter is Jesus and He made a way through the cross to get to that most holy place. Uh, just real quick, and I don't know how many of you have looked at the Old Testament, but there was symbolism in the Old Testament of how you would enter the most holy place. So there was, the, you know, there was the Ark of the Covenant, which was in the most holy of holies, but then there was a tent around that, and as you began to back away from the holy of holies, there was a process that you had to go through. And then there was a fence around it, there was one way in, and there was you know, you know, a place to wash, a place to clean, a place to sacrifice. It was a process of entering in. So this morning, we want to think about that. You know, I want to challenge you uh, this morning with this phrase, maybe. You know, is the heights of your praise the depths of your worship? How many of you like praise songs more, upbeat songs more? Raise your hand. How many of you like the deep worship songs more? Okay, so I'm going to set all of you up. Okay, but how do we get there where they really impact us or they really impact the heart of God? Because I can worship, I can go through the motions, and maybe I just don't like it. Maybe it's too loud. Maybe, I just, maybe I'm not a dancer, I'm not a clapper, and I'm not a shouter, so I, it's super out of my comfort zone. So I just want to get to the worship because I can get in my happy place right here, just lift my hands and sing, and nobody's going to judge me for it. Right? But when I get over here on these, in these praise moments where it's celebratory and it's exciting and it's extravagant and it's requiring for me to act a little bit more uh, excited about life, well, Pastor, no, that's, I'm not comfortable with that, or you know, like. And th- but then, what's the other thing? Sometimes people say, "Well, I'm praising and I'm worshiping in my heart." Well, I would challenge you that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, but also out of the heart, there should be an action response. How many sports fans we got in here? If your team is going to the Super Bowl and they score, you're just going to be like, "Oh, that was so good." Or you're going to come off that couch, knock all your cheese dip over, wife's going to get mad, who cares, they're winning. You're going to be all kinds of excited with extravagant joy and excitement because there is a celebration moment. So how can we look like that at a football game and we look like we're at a funeral in the church? Maybe we're just not excited about the right things and we don't realize the significance of the cross. The significance of the cross, I always go back to the cross. The moment I come into worship and I say, Lord, I'm not ready to worship. Maybe I'm not ready to preach. Maybe I wasn't focused this week. If I go back to the cross and I know that that's the gate to enter in, it's all going to be okay. Because even if I just get to the cross and I stay at the cross, I will be changed. I don't even got to get to the Holy of Holies, the quiet, the intimate songs, because I know at the cross it's forgiveness and, and acceptance and grace and love and and. I, I meet the Father even at the cross. But we have to realize that Jesus is the gate. There's no other way to enter into worship except through the gate. But could the height of your praise be the depths of your worship? To experience deeper worship, you need to experience greater heights in praise. You're like, Pastor Noah, you going to make me dance? I might. You know, you do that little sidestep just to the left and right. I don't care what you do. Get some movement in, you, in your system. Come on. right? You know, can you be a good worshiper and not a good praiser? You ever thought about that? Oh, man, I'm real good at worshiping, but I'm not good at praising. Man, I love, man. Okay, your pastor is a rocker. I love upbeat. I love fast pace. You know, it's like a roller coaster ride. I don't want to get on the little kitty ride if I'm going to ride a roller coaster, right? Man, I want that thing going tick, 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 tick to the top and say, All right. When that countdown hits zero, I want to go. I want it to be exciting, and maybe that's my young blood. And some of you are like, well, Pastor, Noy, I'm older and I used to be like that, but can we get back to that, to where we are excited about the things of God, where we're joyful, where we're shouting, where we can't contain it? Because there's also a balance of worship, right? I've seen backwards worshipers. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Is that you? you you, You're in this praise song, and we're shouting, we're celebrating. You're face down on the ground, all bowed down. You know, so I look at that, and I was like, I mean, I guess teacher your own. I'm not going to judge worship, but what this song is talking about, we are not reflecting it. When it says clapping hands, shouting for joy, you know, singing out the name of Jesus, and we're just like Jesus. Like we're just we're just not we're not we're just saying the words, but it's not being an expression of who we are. We are not being people of praise. We say, oh, I love God. Well, how much? Because if your actions were a reflection of how much you love God, you're not sold out. I mean, and now that's being straight judgmental, right? I'm not looking at your heart. I'm just looking at your action. But what I'm saying, a heart that's transformed and excited about the things of God, or whatever you are excited about, there should be an expression at some point. And all of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe your kid hits the ball, hits a home run for the first time. You get a promotion. You get a brand new Where that excitement, where you, you're, just, you're just pumped up about it. So you can't tell me that you don't have that in you. We're just not focusing it in the right direction where we're excited about the things of God, just like we're excited about the things of this world. We're people of praise, but maybe we're not just a people of praise in regards to God. All right. Hey, Pastor, know he's back. Come on. They're like, man. You know, it's good stuff. I'm a, it's exciting to see what God's going to do. But I think we need, to, we need to make sure that we're responding in a way that honors God. So to be a great worshiper, you have to l- learn to be a person of praise. I'm convinced of it. I was a worship guy before I became a pastor. Worship team, my worship leaders, man, they, they have it the worst in the church because I am a worship guy. You know, there's times I'm like, man, where was the momentum? Where was the excitement? Y'all even, were y'all even excited this morning? And we go back and we watch the stream, so it's really humbling sometimes because we can walk, we're like, ooh. I had a pastor in, in Dallas, he says, listen, when you're on the platform, if you're excited and you're happy, notify your face. Smile a little bit. Make a little bit of noise. Clap a little bit. You know that if everybody started clapping at once, everybody would be a little bit more excited. Have you ever been the one that wants to clap, but nobody else is clapping, so you don't clap? Or you're like the Lone Ranger, like, hey, we're supposed to be clapping, but I'm the only one. Like, and you don't want to do it because nobody else is doing it. But I think praise is contagious. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody dance, you're like, man, I'm excited and I'll be excited, but I'm not going to do that. But that, that level of excitement and that level of praise causes the intensity level to increase. But somebody has to be like David was in the Bible that says, I don't care about what people think, and I'm going to be more extravagant than this, but my focus is not people. My focus is to please God with a heart of gratitude and excitement for what Christ has done. But we're living on this side of grace, this side of the law. We don't have to bring the grain offering. We don't have to do that. The sacrifice has already been paid. So we can come boldly into his throne of grace with confidence and excitement. And I don't have to do anything to earn it. I just have to enter into it and make a choice to do it. Psalms 100, 4 through 5, it's one of my favorite psalms. This is how we should enter in. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, with his, in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. Listen to this. He is faithful. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Oh, that's so exciting. Come on. Right? I mean, this is the promise we stand on. But this is how it says enter in. It didn't say enter in, bummed out. Just be real quiet. I mean, look at these words. With thanksgiving. his course with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. You notice all of this is focused on Him, not you? And when that changes, all of a sudden you can praise. Because you focus your attention not on yourself, but on who God is. We focus on the cross. And it changes everything. So what's the definition of praise? So praise is an act of expression, approval, or admiration. Uh, com- um, uh, it's a uh, commendation. I am saying cond- condemnation. I was like, that ain't the right word. It's uh, a laudacious, laudacious, an offering of grateful homage in words or song, an act of worship, a hymn of praise to God. So the word praise here in Psalms 100, it's a Hebrew word. That The Hebrew word is tehillah, which means to sing halals, okay, now we're like, man, what are all these words? Let me tie it in here. It says to sing or to laud, perceived that it is going to involve music, especially singing hymns and and the Spirit. So the word Tahila, it's derived from the word halal, which is a root of hallelujah. Now, we say the word hallelujah, and man, yeah, we're all about that. You know, halal, that is a root of that. So when we talk about the word praise, it should be a hallelujah chorus of excitement, of celebration. When I look at that word laud, you know, to sing or to laud, it says to praise, to exalt, to hail, to applaud, to acclaim, to admire, to make much of, to sing praise of. Um, It it says to cheer, to celebrate, to welcome, to salute, to glorify, to honor, to adore, to revere, uh, to idolize. It's a big deal. You know, you'd be in the service. He said, Well, Pastor Noe said I could salute. (laughs) But the act of, right? When we salute somebody, it is the utmost respect. So I want want us to realize these things. This is is who we're created to be. You're going to get to heaven, and there's going to be such a celebration. If you don't learn to praise now, you ain't going to know what to do. Better start searching YouTube videos, how to dance in heaven. Because you're not, if you don't, I mean, I'm telling you, right now we, got, we want it to be a byproduct of what we live this life that we'll enter into heaven doing the same thing. If you don't like praising, and you don't like worship, you ain't going to like heaven. <laughs> because the focus is not going to be us. And the cool thing is we're not going to have all these issues and all these things that we're dealing with that distract us from the focus of the cross. We will be able to praise and worship in an inhabited Fool exactly how God has called us to. Now, can we tap into that a little bit here on the earth? I believe so. But we're going to have to make the choice to do it. So picture all of those for a moment. This is what worship should look like. What do we look like when we praise God? What do we look like when we worship? Like, Pastor, Noah, I don't even want to think about that. You know, you're bummed out or you're just not. You're just, you're just, you're, why wait for the worship part? I see it so often. Well, I'm just going to wait till the worship thing, and that's where God will meet me. Maybe that's all you've been exposed to, and maybe all you know. But I'm encouraging you this morning: jump right in. You know, I think I think I think it's one of those rules. It's like, you know, to to enter into the presence of God, never take the stairs; just jump into the deep end. But if we, hey, we're conservative. We're not, you know, mm. oh, it's cold. You know, we don't want to go. But we know that, you know, but there, there's that excitement, there's that exhilaration, there's that joy, there's that satisfaction. And then, but sometimes we freak ourselves out, you know, and I know as an adult, we get more conservative. Well, what if I run and I slip and I hit my head before I land in the pool? We start thinking of all the what ifs. What does Jesus say? He says, For you to come to me, you have to come like a child. Now, I've never seen, well, my little ones when they're when it's cold or i'm trying to make them learn to swim that's the only time in my life that i've seen my kids take the stairs every other time it's like hey dad watch this cannonball belly flop you name it they're going to do it they're not going to take the stairs they're going to jump right in can we approach the presence of god like that You know, the key to entering into the presence of God quickly is first and foremost by aligning our attitude and our focus and choosing to give thanks and praise to God. Praise is a choice. You don't have to, but I strongly encourage it. There's this quote by T.D. Jakes I thought was really good. He says, Don't come into the presence of God to impress him with something he gave you. <laughs> Say that one more time. Don't come into the presence of God to impress him with something he gave you. So sometimes we have gifts. We have talents, worship team, production team, all you gifted people. We have gifts from God. But we don't come in to impress God with those gifts. But we come to praise him for who he is. So praise him for who he is, not for who you are. So we are not not that great by comparison. Do you realize that? We get so excited about our own gifts. Hey, Dad, look at me. Have you ever seen that? Okay, like, there's not, there's not really any kids in here, so I'm going to use a real-life story. So, like, okay, think about it. When your kid does something great and it's not that great, what do we tell them? Oh, that's so <laughs> wonderful, and it's such cheeseballish. ish But because you're a good father, you're just like, oh, that's just, or a great mom, that's a great job. You know, like, I think sometimes when we are prideful and we're arrogant with the gifts that God gave us, and we're like, hey, God, look at me, look what I did, and he's like, huh, Okay how do you think you got that gift? Right? Because what it does, instead of taking that gift to focus on God, it takes that gift and focuses on us. And that was never the intent of the gift, to glorify self. It was always given to glorify God. And that's how we should enter praise, desiring to praise God for who He is. So uh, people of praise don't celebrate themselves, but they celebrate Jesus. He defeated death hell and the grave, and is deserving of the highest praise. We have to wrap our mind around that. I know we're getting closer to Easter. I am stoked for Easter. Last year, we got robbed because of COVID, didn't have to have it. I was standing here looking at a camera sitting right here with nobody in the house. That ain't happening this year. God willing, I don't go to heaven before then or whatever. We're going to have Easter, and we're going to have a celebration. It's going to be so exciting. So As we enter in, getting closer, this next Sunday, it's going to be Palm Sunday. The triumphal entry when he came in, and as he began to prepare all these things for this brutal death on the cross because he was knew that he would have ultimate victory at the end of it. As we begin to celebrate it, we have to realize you know that Easter is the Super Bowl for the church? It is the biggest, most exciting moment in history where everything changed. So if I cannot get you excited about praising right now, I don't know what to do. Because it is the most exciting moment of all time. Okay? And somebody this morning praise Him for what He's done. You know, as a church, there's a reason we start with celebrations and fast songs and upbeat songs. and uh, you, know, it, you know, we want to we reflect on the cross. We want to come in like the Scripture tells us to come in with joyful hearts, of celebration, of praise, of thanksgiving offerings. Because we know that if we enter the right gate, we will get to that holy place. And we'll get there every single time. When you, enter, when you try to enter in apart from the cross and you realize why it fell flat and you didn't experience the presence of God, that's because you did it in your strength rather than the cross. The cross works every single time. Every single time. Uh, You know, have you ever been hindered from entering into the presence of God because you felt that you were unworthy? I think all of us at some point, right? What we have to realize is that you are unworthy, but the cross has made you worthy. You know, this is just, man, it's just another reason to celebrate. It's like, man, I'm, I'm not worth, you know, being able, but the cross made it worth it, made me worthy to be able to come in. The blood of Christ has covered all of our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 7-10, it says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Praise God for that, right? He doesn't hold those sins against us. Verse 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and the Word is not in us. So what does it come down to? We all need Jesus. So remember the cross, it breaks the lie of the enemy over our lives, you know, so, you know, of saying that we are unworthy and you can't come in. That's what it is. It's the enemy telling you you can't come in. It's not the cross and it's not Christ telling you you can't come in. The cross bids me come, and it reminds me that Christ has made me worthy, that we are a people of praise, and we are the sons and daughters of God. You know, it's like at my mom's house. I don't have to knock to go in that house. Now you got to be careful what you walk into. But I don't have to knock to go home because I'm a son of the house. I don't have to ask before I open the fridge. Now, sometimes I'm like, man, where's all the food? Or, man, like, hey, I need to come over more often. There's tons of food, depending on what kind of week it is, right? But as a son of the king, I can just go in. You know, it's funny. My kids get so comfortable around people. They just want to go in without knocking. Every now and then we'll go to somebody else. I was like, no, 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 no. You've got to knock at this door. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> we're here. My kid's already in your living room. Sorry. Like, but we can boldly enter in. We don't have to knock. We don't have to wait. The cross already knocked that door wide open to where we can come straight in. But we all need Jesus. Praise is what has the power to set the captives free. So I'm going to share this story real quick of Paul and Silas. And, I, and hopefully you've heard it, but it's in Acts 16, 25 through 34. I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm not going to read all of it, but what happens, Paul and Silas are imprisoned, and they have shackles on their hands and their feet. They're imprisoned, and they begin to praise well, what happens when they begin to praise, all of a sudden the jail begins to shake. And the, you know, what does it say? He wakes up, the, the, guard, was, the guard was laying there. He, it says he, he, he awoke. So the jailer was sitting up against the wall sleeping. It says that he awoke, he freaks out, and he says, oh, no, he's about to kill himself because he thinks that the prisoners were set free. And then Paul and Silas say, no, 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 we're here. But their chains had been removed. Their shackles had been loosed under the power of praise. So then we don't want to just stop there because just that would have been powerful enough to promote praise. That the chains were loosed, that the jailer jailer figured out the power of the living God, didn't know what it was. But he was afraid that the prisoners escaped. But he says, no, we don't harm yourself. We're here. But this is the, my favorite part is that, you know, he called for lights. So they rushed in. It says, trembling with fear, they fell down before Paul and Silas. Now, they didn't fall down before Paul and Silas. They fell down in the power of God because the presence of the Lord was in that room. They fell down under the power of the Lord. And it says they brought him out. And this is, this is the response of the jailer. He says, sir, what can I do to be saved? So when we begin to praise, it doesn't just change your situation. It changes the situation of the people around you. Your chains can be loosed by my praise. Never thought about that, Oh, huh? I thought I had to praise for those chains to come loose. But, but sometimes your chains can come loose because of somebody else's praise. But what happens if the whole church starts praising? And the walls begin to shake and we begin to see freedom in our lives like we've never seen. And the chains and the shackles and and all those things of bondage begin to be shaked loose. And all of a sudden you realize, I feel lighter, I feel different, something has left. I, I, I came discouraged, now I'm leaving encouraged and I cannot stop this praise. I can't stop declaring the praises of what God has done in my life. But it all starts with somebody's praise. In this story, Paul and Silas started with the praise. But they—they very clearly, they just said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. And then, you know, it says that, he said, absolutely, immediately his household, his family was baptized, and then they had a meal. And, you know, they went from the jail cell to the home of the jailer, and God just changed everything. But it all started with what? Praise. Jesus made, us, made a way for His people. Praise is the way that we just respond to that. So we should honor God in the, in the praise of our lives. So we're going to look real quick at three, three ways that we can praise God. We can praise God and we can honor God with our lives, our lips, and our works. So we're going to look at these three really quickly, and then I'm going to close because I feel like it's not just bringing these grain offerings, but what does it look like for us today? What should we be doing? Because once you know what you should be doing, it's no longer my responsibility to tell you what to do. Now it's up to you to do what you know you need to do, of how Scripture asks you to respond. Okay, so first, the praise of our lives, Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And then it says, This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let your life shine as a testimony of your praise to God. People should see it. You should be living it. On the worst day when the stock market is down and you lost your job and your kid's sick and your wife is mad at you and your dog just died, however bad it gets, that you will still have praise in your heart. And the world will look at, the world will look at you and say, why in the world are you so excited? Because huh. nothing can hold down my praise. Let me tell you about the cross. And it changes everything. Matthew ten thirty nine. It says, "Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it." There is a cost for following Christ. Does your life reflect a living sacrifice of praise to God? So be a, be a person of praise in your lifestyle, because that is who you really are. You will not fit in with this world if you live the kind of life that God demands you got to be over that. You're not going to be liked by everybody. Everybody's not going to understand everything you do, but yet that's who you are and who you've been created to be. Will you be sold out and be completely His? The choice is yours. Are you going to be excited about what God has done for you? Maybe the revelation of what has happened, you just haven't wrapped your mind around it. And I pray God completely opens your mind to the understanding and opens your heart to the power of the cross secondly praise of our lips Hebrews thirteen fifteen. it says through Jesus therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of our lips that openly professes his name openly means it comes out of your mouth it comes out of your mouth Okay, So this is talking about the words that come out of your mouth. Psalms 34.1, it says, I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. James 3, 9-10, through 10, it says, With the tongue we praise the Lord our Father, and with it we curse human beings. We have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praises and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. We should praise God at all times. And when we want to say something we shouldn't, what's the, what's the golden rule? If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Close your mouth. If I get real frustrated, I'll tell my kids, shut up. Dad, you can't say that, but I really mean that right now. (laughs) Like, you know, when you get to the place, just shut up, man. Like, quit talking. (laughs) I mean, I think we need to say that to ourselves sometimes. Like, what are you digging a hole? (laughs) Close that mouth already. Whatever it takes to get your attention. Guard what comes out of your mouth. You know, it's with with our words, what should we do? We should, with the words that come out of our mouth, what should we do? We should praise God. We should praise God. We should praise God. And we should praise God. I don't need to say it anymore. You got it. The words of our mouth should praise God. Praise of our works. Hebrews 13, 16, it says, And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifice God is pleased. So this is what we do for others. Matthew, I'm going to look at James 2, 14 through 17, then I'm going to look at verses 20 through 26. I'm going to cruise through this because it's kind of a lot of uh, Scripture, but it says, uh, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? So this is the talking about faith and, and works, works and faith, how you have to have both. For it to work out, can can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food, or if one of them, and then you just say to them, "Hey, go in peace. It's going to be okay. Keep warm and be well fed." But you didn't meet any of the needs. You know, um, you didn't do anything. What good is it? So in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse twenty, it says, "You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless?" So, what was our father Abraham, was he considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled by saying, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that the person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So to bring God praise, you know, our works, there has to be a relationship with Christ. Do you realize that works apart from Christ will not get you to heaven? You can do all the right things, but if there's no relationship with the Father, if there's no life that's surrendered to God, you will not make it to heaven. It's not by just works. It's faith and works. You've got to have both. But faith will produce works in your life. But a lot of people say, hey, i got some good works. Well, you got faith? Well, no. That's a sad day. All right? So there are many people who are morally good but will not make it to heaven. Just like faith without works is dead, works without faith will bring about eternal death. So Matthew 6, 19 through 21, in the New Living Translation, because I think it does a little bit more justice, it says, Do not store up for, for yourself treasures on earth, where moth eat them and rust destroy them, and where thieves break into steal It says, Store your treasures in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal uh, Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be also. Offer to God the praise of our works, in our lives that praise God by what we do in others and store up treasures in heaven. So what we do, what we say, how we act, in in, in all of these ways with our lives, with our lips, and with our works, we want to please God. You guys stand up with me. So I want to give us a chance to respond. I I told the guys to come on up. And what what, what I want us to do, I want to give us a chance... Yeah, if you got your hands in your pockets, you got to pull them out to maybe praise like you've never praised. Maybe you say, "Pastor Noe, I'm not a clapper." Then I encourage you to start with clapping. Say, "Pastor Noe, I'm not a dancer." We'll start with swaying, sway back and forth a little bit. Drummer and the bass player will keep you on point. If you're not a shouter and you have kids, you're a liar. <laughs> Everybody said amen. Right, you got vocal cords. But I want to give you a chance to respond however God wants you to respond and realize this morning that we are a people of praise. That he is so worthy of our praise, so deserving of our worship that we would respond in a way that would honor God. After after we sing this song, i got Pastor Jim and Sharon, and there's some of us that are, that are available to you. If you don't know Jesus, today's the day. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Um, and today I want to inter- introduce you to Jesus. You say, Pastor, no, none of this makes sense. I've tried to get in, but I didn't go through the cross. The cross is the only way. Pastor Jim and Sharon, Mark and Angel, can y'all come up at the, after this song? We want to make ourselves available to you. And if you don't know Jesus, we would love to introduce you to him. But this morning, for those of us who know Jesus and know the power of the cross and are being exposed to the power of the cross, we want to give each of us a chance to get our praise on. Amen. So we came in with celebration and and singing and dancing and celebration where we are going to leave the same way, with a praise on our lips, with a song bursting forth in our hearts as we declare to God all that he is worthy of. Amen. You guys ready? Get that blood flowing. Hey, if your wife's too close, push. get some some room. There's a lot of aisles. There's a lot of space up here. Your kids aren't in your way. Listen, guys, if we don't set the pace for our children, they will never learn to be worshipers in the house. You get mad that your kid's not worshiping like you want them to, but look how you're worshiping.